Last week we talked about the ten plagues that took place in Egypt, and we ended with the tenth and final plague, which was the death of every firstborn son. And it was during that time, just before those deaths took place, that we have the event known as the Passover that takes place. And the Passover is an absolutely incredible event that happens with immense historic value, especially to Israelites. But there is a lot of things that take place in the Passover that also parallels the faith that we have as modern-day believers. And there are a lot of things to be found in the Passover that help give us an understanding of the way that our relationship with God works, or at least should work. And so I want to go through this event of the Passover and kind of highlight some of those parallels and similarities that help us understand the way that our faith works. So we're going to be reading today in Exodus chapter 12, and we'll start at verse 1. It says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the fourteenth day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the doorframes of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs, and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire, with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. It then goes on for a while about how to celebrate that feast, and then we go down to verse 24. It says, Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshipped. The Israelites did just what the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. 
So like I said, there are a lot of similarities between this event and the way that our faith works. And the first of those things that I want to go over is that the Israelites had to sacrifice a lamb in order to protect themselves from God's wrath. And of course, all throughout the rest of Scripture, Jesus is talked about as being the Lamb of God. And this event of the Passover really does help us to understand the sacrifice that Jesus made. And we see in this process that the Lamb the Israelites used, it was sacrificed, it was shared with neighbors, it, the blood was applied to the door frames, and then the lamb was eaten. And we see those four things happening with Jesus as well. Jesus, of course, was sacrificed. Even though he led an innocent, blameless life, he chose to give up his life, to sacrifice his life for us. And just like how that lamb was shared by the Israelites with their neighbors, if they couldn't afford uh, to buy a lamb of their own, if they didn't have a lamb, you would share with your neighbor. And that parallels so well with how this sacrifice that Jesus made and how it pays for the price of sin in our life is available to anyone who is repentant. And it's then our responsibility, those who have received that, to share it with others. And then not only was that lamb to be shared, but the Israelites had to take that lamb that they had, sacrifice it, share it, and they had to take the blood and apply it to the door frames. It wasn't just enough for them to accept that sacrifice. That sacrifice needed to be applied to their lives as well, applied to their homes. And that is illustrated so well when we do the sinner's prayer and we ask Jesus to be both our Savior and our Lord. That we're not just accepting the price he paid for our sins, but we are recognizing him as God and our King and essentially pledging our life to him. Saying that our life will never look the same because it falls under the authority of Jesus Christ. The blood needs to be applied. And then the lamb was eaten. And there's a couple different ways you could look at eating the lamb when it comes to Jesus. The first of all would be communion. And Jesus talks about, you know, take this uh, bread that represents my body and this wine that represents my blood. And that's what we do when we take communion. Um, but the other way that can also be taken is when John, uh, in John chapter 1, refers to Jesus as the Word of God. And, of course, the Word of God is also used to describe the Bible. So when you're reading the Bible, you are essentially eating that lamb. And that's important, too, that we are uh, really taking in the Word of God into our life. And so this lamb being used by the Israelites so well helps us understand who Jesus is and what he does for us. That he gave his life for us. It's available to anyone, that price that he paid, that salvation message. And it needs to be applied to our life and something that is sustaining us through our daily life as well. And the thing that I really want us to hold on to in this scenario is that the Israelites needed to take this sacrifice and apply it to themselves. 
And this was in a land where you had both the Israelites and the Egyptians. And the Egyptians could have done this very same thing. They could have taken a lamb and sacrificed it and applied it. But what was not possible for the Israelites to do was to take care of that for the Egyptians. The Israelites couldn't apply the blood for the Egyptians. The Egyptians had to choose whether or not they would do that. And so we see here this this contrast between Israelites sharing a lamb with anyone who needed it, but also that the lamb needed to be applied by the person making that sacrifice, by the person who was accepting that sacrifice. And it was not possible for the Israelites to do that for the Egyptians. But the Israelites did need to make sure that they were applying it for themselves. And I think many times we as Christians can forget that aspect where we become so focused on reaching lost people, which should be our primary focus, absolutely. But it can sometimes get to a point where we are neglecting applying the word of God to ourselves. And we're getting so so caught up in trying to apply the word of God to other people's lives and saying they should be doing this or they shouldn't be doing that when we're first called to apply it to ourselves. See, we share Jesus' work with others, but we apply it to ourselves. We cannot apply the word of God to others. We can't force people to do that. It has to be a choice that they make, and we offer to share it with them because of our love for them and the hope that we have for not only their salvation, but for the life that God has for them, a better life. But as we are sharing the gospel message with others, we need to make sure that we are still applying it to ourselves. This passage in Exodus even gives specific instructions on how they are to partake of this meal. And it says that they need to have their cloak tucked into their belt, their sandals on their feet, and their staff in their hand. In other words, they need to be ready to leave at a moment's notice. And that was important because they would end up leaving Egypt that very night. And as soon as Pharaoh gave them the word, gave them permission to go, and Moses went and said, it's time, God has called us out of Egypt, they needed to be ready to heed that call as soon as possible. And that illustrates for us the importance of having a spiritual readiness in our life. Because we never know when God is going to call us to do something. We never know when a situation is going to come up that we need to know what the Bible says about what's going on so that we are equipped and ready to deal with it. See, there are many tests, many struggles that we face in our life, and we almost never get a heads up that it's coming. If anything, it's more like a a pop quiz in school that... You just go to class one day and surprise, we're having a pop quiz. I hope you've been paying attention to what I've been teaching because now we're going to see how well you've been paying attention. And, <laughs> and you know, it would, would be really nice if, you know, this world and our lives didn't act like that and we did get 
a week's notice on, okay, this test is going to be coming up. We're going to encounter this problem. So start studying now. So you make sure you're ready for it. That would be really great, but that's not how life tends to work. It tends to be a lot of pop quizzes, and you just got to make sure that you're ready for it when that time comes. And that's something that becomes so much more important when it applies to spiritual matters as well. Are we ready to go as soon as God calls us to go somewhere? Are we ready to do something as soon as God calls us to do something? The Israelites needed to be ready, even in the midst of this Passover feast, to go as soon as they were called to leave. God has so many things that he wants us to accomplish for his kingdom. And oftentimes we aren't going to get a heads up of when that time is going to come when those divine encounters are going to take place in our life. We have to be ready for them. And of course, the greatest spiritual pop quiz that will uh, come to the whole world will be the second coming of Christ. When Jesus returns to earth and looks to see whether or not his followers are actually following him. Or if they've conformed so much to the pattern of the world that they are no longer transformed by the renewing of their mind, no longer transformed by the power of God. And so how would you do if a pop quiz showed up today? If Jesus came back today, would you be prepared to give an account of your life? Or even something less drastic, if God wanted you to share the gospel with someone today, would you be ready for it? And if we're not ready for it, then what are we doing? Because that's the mission that we have here on this earth. To go into all the world and make disciples. Share with them the gospel message. That is why we are here. That is our purpose. And if we're not ready for it, then what are we doing? The Israelites needed to be ready as soon as God called. And we in our spiritual walk need to also be ready as soon as God calls us to where he wants to lead us. Spiritual readiness is extremely important. And finally, the instructions that Moses gives to the Israelite people. It ends with him talking about how this festival they're going to be celebrating, this Passover feast, that they will do every year. The importance of them doing it every year so that they can share that story with their children and their children's children and so on and so forth. That this would be something they would do regularly in order to pass that story along to the next generation. And that is something that is important to do because that helped the Israelites to remember this time in history and to remember what God did for them in Egypt. And the Passover, not just this event, but the feast that continues to take place in our world today every year, illustrates how important sharing is to helping us remember things. 
and how we remember things through sharing them with others. And this is important because not only does it help share this story and and help this story be remembered to the person who is listening to the story, but it also helps the person who is telling the story to remember it as well. Because when we share things with other people, we are reminded of those things because we're thinking through them. And that's different between just knowing it and, oh yeah, yeah, I, I know that that happened. But when we really take the time to sit and think about something as we have to go through and share each part of it with someone else, helps that thing to become deeper ingrained in our own mind and heart. Even things that we think, I know this, but they're things that we don't put into practice because they're in the back of our mind instead of the front of our mind, instead of rooted in our hearts. And you can use that example on so many things of things where I, I know I'm supposed to do this, but it's not reflected in your life. You know, I learned just as any child does how to interact with other people and the ways that you do that. But it wasn't really until after college and I was working this job where I work with adults who have mental disabilities and I teach them life skills that they need to put into practice. It wasn't until I started working there and I was teaching all of them to do things like keep eye contact when you're talking to somebody. And if somebody asks you a question, after you answer it, make sure you ask them a question back. And, and you know, these basic social interaction skills that I'd known my whole life, but that I'd just forgotten about. And it wasn't until then that I really began to put those things into practice because as I was teaching them to someone else, it helped me to remember the importance of applying them in my life today. As we share things, we are reminded of those things. And we remember things through sharing them with other people. And that's why I'm kind of concerned with my current generation and, and the people that I interact with because I have a few friends who aren't Christians and I've heard more than one talk about how they want their children to grow up in church and they want their child to go to church because they want them to learn the principles that are taught there. You know, many of these friends, they grew up in church and they don't go to church now, but they, they learned a lot of valuable lessons and principles during that time. And they don't really practice them now anymore, but they really want their kids to have that same experience that they had. And, and they want them to learn the principles. So they, they want their kids to grow up in church like they did. And I hear that, and I realize how wrong that kind of mentality is. Because those principles of God that those parents are wanting their kids to know, those parents should be the ones passing those principles on. Now, I'm not saying that those kids shouldn't be involved in church, too. And, you know, I'm not going to, uh, especially as a pastor, try to dissuade anyone to not go to church. But the importance is that that principle is being taught by those parents, not just so that it's becoming ingrained in the children's life, but so those parents remember 
the principles that they are supposed to be adhering to as well. Do they love their neighbor as themselves? Do they love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength? Right? These, these good biblical principles that they want their children to know that they themselves are not practicing. And they recognize the value of those principles because they want their children to have them. But by just wanting somebody else to teach those principles to their kids, rather than them being the ones sharing those principles and reflecting those principles in their own lives for their children to witness, they're missing the point. See, the Passover story was meant to be shared from one generation to the next, not just for the benefit of the upcoming generation, but also for the benefit of that generation that is passing the story along. And we need that. Those of us who know the stories, who know the principles, we need to be reminding ourselves of those things as we share them with others. We need to remind ourselves of the things that we should be practicing as well. It goes right along with this idea of being the one applying these principles to your life, that you're not just accepting the principles, you are applying them as well. And when we share those principles with others and, and the truth that is found in the Word of God, it becomes a continual reminder of us to help us keep our lives on track. And I think too often, Christians today are wanting these principles to be taught but they don't want to be the ones sharing it. And I'm not saying they have to go into full-time ministry and become a pastor of a church or anything. But if you know the principles, you should be sharing them. Not just so they're passed along to others, but so that you are continually reminding yourself of what you need to be practicing in your life. And instead of just wanting somebody else to apply it, that you are applying it as well. And that happens through sharing them with others. And those continual reminders to apply God's word to our lives will help us maintain that spiritual readiness that is so important for us to be able to heed the call of God in the moment that it comes and make sure that that moment that passes away so fast that we don't miss it because we weren't ready for it. We need those continual reminders, applying the Word of God to our life, applying those principles, reminding ourselves of the truth found in God's Word to give us that spiritual readiness. It's what the Israelites needed in this time of their life, and it's what we need every day as followers of Christ. Are we ready to heed God's call? This has been another Sermon in the Pocket. As always, 
If you have any comments or questions for me, feel free to contact me through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page, or you can email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And as always, I encourage you to share these messages with other people to help get the Word of God out into the rest of the world. And I haven't plugged it for a while because I don't really like to, but I do also have a Patreon where you can pledge a monthly financial support. Um, If you really like this program and want to support my ministry, that is a good way to do that. Um, But by no means feel obligated to. As long as God's word is being listened to by other people, that's enough for me. But until next time, this has been another Sermon in the Pocket. And I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout your day. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Thank you.